Hey everyone, welcome to They Can't All Be Betty. This is the podcast where we flip the lens on the coming out story and open the closet one story at a time. My name is Angela Brionis, and this is the first official episode of the podcast. In this episode, I'm going to chat with my sister, Lori, who has been a cheerleader, a supporter, an ally of just her big sister in general. But as far as any of my coming out story, she's certainly made the road much easier. There was never any judgment on her part. There was always an open door and a big hug at the end of it. But I want to set this episode up just a little bit because as you'll see in a minute, we jump right into a story the story of when I came out to her. I took a very long time to come out to her. As a matter of fact, I took four hours. And the entire time she was patient and uh, just allowed me the space to feel comfortable in the conversation. She never once interrupted me, uh, which was is amazing to me even looking back. And by the time that I came out to her after sitting in Starbucks for four hours, we were tired. So Her response is just based on the fact that she already knew the information and she was quite ready to go. I don't blame her. I got to tell you guys, this one was a tough one. Maybe it's because it was the first podcast. Maybe. Maybe it's because it's a podcast with my sister. Maybe. You know, you feel very protective of the story, protective of your sibling. Maybe it's the fact that I don't know what I'm doing. That could be a lot of it too. So tack on vulnerability on top of all of that. And I'm just glad to get this episode out. (laughs) Oh, and I almost forgot. We're in the middle of quarantine. I don't even know what week it is anymore. I've lost count. So the episode that I recorded that in my mind was going to be done in this really awesome podcast space was done via Zoom. So keep that in mind as you listen. But nonetheless, I hope you enjoy the episode. You're my first guest, and I wanted you to be my first guest because I'm like, this is the first person who I said the words, I think I'm gay. (laughs) Or ours. (laughs) But in that time, like, I don't remember too much about the whole thing except, you know, those key points. And then I wrote down the four words that were, for me, the most difficult. Like, in those four hours... All I kept thinking was, I need to say, I think I'm gay, Mm -hmm. but not say those words. Like those four words could not come out of my mouth. (laughs) A great four hours worth. (laughs) (laughs) It was one hour per word. I had to had to work my way towards it. I'm glad I have four words. (laughs) (laughs) So my question to you now, a hundred years later, is what were you thinking that whole time? Um, that it was taking you a really long time to say something that, that I think I already knew and it wasn't a big deal to me. And I, I, I remember thinking, does she think that I'm going to have an issue with it? You know, I was wondering if maybe that's why I was taking so long, but it wasn't, I don't know. I just felt like it was just taking a really long time. Just that it was taking a really long time, but I wanted to be very attentive and I wanted to listen because I knew you were sharing something that really up until that moment, you and I did not have that type of a conversation. And, and, I, and I don't think it's because you were figuring out who you were. I think it's because you and I are six and a half years apart. Right. Yeah, if you had that conversation with me, 
five years earlier, I would have been like in middle school. I still probably wouldn't even have known like what that was. It just wouldn't have been a natural conversation. But at that time I was in college or I think, right. Was I in college? I think I had like just mm-hmm. gone to Texas state or maybe I was still at home, but I was still in like that time of my life where I was very well aware of my own sexuality. I was very well aware of sexuality in general, even though we have a family that doesn't talk about sexuality. Right. Um, but I remember thinking it shifted our relationship only because that was the first time we talked kind of like as adults. It wasn't about planning Mother's Day or a birthday party or, you know, why are you in my room? It was, it just shifted the conversation, but it was, I think it would have been a, a shift regardless, just because that was our time in our life. But that was the first time that you shared something with me that was very close and personal. Mm-hmm. So I was, I just felt like I had to listen because it was a different conversation. That was a lot of listening. <laughs> Thank you for, for giving me that space to, to do that. But I should recap for anybody who hasn't listened to that second intro episode. Basically, the long story short is after the four hours that I came out to you, your answer was, duh, I know that. Can we go? Those those were your words. And I was like, okay, let's go. You were just like, we're done. I'm ready to get out of this chair. Starbucks is wondering if we should pay rent. I now smell like coffee. I smell like I work here. Because <laughs> weren't you working there at the time? I, I was that was the one I did work at, but I don't know yeah. if I was working there already. No, that was the one you worked at. So that was like your safe spot. Maybe. Did I work there <laughs> by the time? I, I must, worked at the time, but you worked there like at I, a time. Yeah. Either way, that was my safe spot because I did have a job there for many <laughs> years. So your experience was you kind of already knew that. But like you just said earlier, you five years earlier, if I had said anything, you wouldn't have known what that was. And I think the same thing too. I don't think I really knew the word gay. I don't even know. I try mm-hmm. to think about like what I, I can tell you when I look back, I should have known in high school that I was gay, but I did not know that. And I had zero clue. And looking back, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's super clear now. But in high school, I would have been like, what is that word? And what does it mean? Which I also think is just so, here's the weird thing though, like in middle school, I wouldn't have known what that word meant, but I would have, like, I wouldn't have known automatically the definition of gay. But if you had said, oh, I like women, I would have been like, oh, okay. Because I, even in middle school, I had friends who, you know, clearly were, you know, they had different interests. And like, I think of my one friend who now is Jasmine, who was Frank back then. And I remember like, I was like, oh my God, I love Frank. Frank is the most fun person I've ever met. And I always knew he was a little bit different, but I didn't care. I just liked Frank. And now Frank is Jasmine. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like you're living your best life and you look good, Jasmine. Like I'm a little upset that you look better than I do, Mm -hmm. but that's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known what that word meant, but I would have, I wouldn't have known the definition, but if you had told me about it, I don't think it would have been a big deal because like I was thinking about it, like why wasn't it a big deal to me? And part of it is I knew people who I I thought, you know, just kind of were, they just had different interests. They were like, oh, this person's pretty. And I'm like, oh yeah, I never really thought about it that way. But also like growing up in Austin, keep Austin weird. Like I felt like it was just implied that it's okay to be whoever you are. 
and then at Austin High. We, I, I don't know, you went to Austin High in a different time than I did, but we had a very active gay-straight alliance, and there wasn't any type of taboo around being gay. In fact, it was like one of those things that you just advocate for. Like, I felt like my experience at Austin High was we embraced diversity. I was always part of something that was looking at everyone and respecting everyone. Like, I was a pal, so I was a mentor to people in elementary and middle school. We had workshops and conferences that we went to just about listening and embracing others and being respectful of other people's ideas. And it was never a question to me that I should judge anyone for who they are. So it didn't, it didn't matter to me. Like that part did not matter to me. I don't know. I think it's interesting because you and I both grew up in the same place with the same family. We went to different middle schools. Um, We had totally different high school experiences. I can imagine it was probably different for you because you were in drill team. Like it was like that stereotypical, your sports, your cheerleader, whereas I'm the band nerd in band. Like we're just like, eh, we love everybody. Like no big deal. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because the band people, the orchestra people, the theater people, like we all hung out and everyone's expressive and you're just like, live your life and be creative. And everyone thinks we're weird, but who cares? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's like, we just had very different experiences. And I think it is that, really weird. I think. Yeah. I think is because like you said, it's, it's not even a 10 year difference between us. And for all the things that were similar, obviously we have the same parents, grew up in the same house, went to the same high school, but in two different spaces. And those experiences were as far as tolerance or speaking about diversity issues, such as being gay or what have you. I think it was a different experience for me than for you. I can honestly say I don't remember one person who was gay. Like, it just didn't exist. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because when I go back to, like, when I was a kid, like, when we were dancing, you Mm -hmm. know, the Ballet Focorico, there were a lot of gay men at the time. But I was, like, 10, you know, and nothing registered for me. That wasn't a thing. I I did know they were gay, but it's still, I was too young to really know what that really was. So then by the time I'm in high school, I still don't know that I'm gay and I literally don't know a gay person. Mm -hmm. It's so I definitely felt like the only person on the planet because I didn't know anybody else who was gay. Mm. But I wonder if, like, because I was thinking about it, you know, and just think, preparing for today and thinking about like what, what to share. That. And I was thinking if I had, I don't know if <laughs> like this is going to sound really silly. I don't know if it's because I'm the youngest child and I have that, you know, young child um, mentality of kind of getting away with what, you know, getting away with other things that maybe you didn't get away with or marching to the beat of my old drum. I've just, I feel like I've always just been very comfortable with who I was. And if anyone didn't like it, I don't care. And so I, I think I assume that people have that viewpoint too, because at the end of the day, like it really doesn't matter what anyone thinks about you. Like as long as you can, you know, be yourself or maybe I just think, well, you do you and I do me. And, you know, as long as we respect each other in the space, we're cool. I don't know. I don't know if it's cause I, I had a very different experience even as a second child. I don't know. I think that there's this story that it kind of resonates with what you just said. Remember when we went to Maggiano's, 
I don't know whose birthday it was. It was when all of us were together. We were in that like front area. I think it was the first time Bridget, it wasn't the first time she met everyone, but it was one of the first times we went as a family. It was everybody, mm-hmm. even, even your in-laws. Mm-hmm. And Bridget reached over to hold my hand mm-hmm. and I like pulled my hand away. Like, Oh my God, what are you doing? She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I've literally never held anyone's hand in front of my parents, mm-hmm. much less a girl, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm always wondering how other people are going to feel. I don't want to make them uncomfortable with who I am. You and I've talked about this before. It's something that you and your husband show, you know, um, affection and that's okay, but I feel like it's not okay for me. When I'm in front of you, because I know that you're so, you're such an ally and you're so open and you're so, you do you, like you said earlier, but it's that generational thing of, I don't think it'll make my parents happy. Mm-hmm. Your in-laws were there. It was this, this like respect thing. And I live under that umbrella all the time, not just with them, just anytime I'm out and about. And you and I have talked about this before. I remember we talked about it when we drove, we were driving back from Dallas when we went Mm -hmm. um, last summer, you know. Yeah, almost almost a year ago. (laughs) Yeah. Almost a year ago. What stood out to me was that you felt that way. But after I told you how my perspective, like you hadn't considered that maybe I felt that way too. And it wasn't until like Ivan and I got engaged and really after we were like married that I felt comfortable holding his hand in front of mom and dad even I, as a married woman, mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable sometimes holding Ivan's hand in front of mom and dad because I feel like I'm being disrespectful to them. And then there's always like this little layer of like, oh, my dad's right there. I can't let him see that I like a boy, even though clearly I'm married to the man and I live with him. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I, I have that experience without the layer of questioning, does my sexuality offend anyone too? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, regardless if you were straight too, I think you would feel the same. Like you would still feel like I can't hold hands in front of someone because I feel that way in front of mom and dad too. You right. know, right. That Catholic guilt. You know, what's so funny about that. And you can put this in your podcast if you want to, because I think this is important also. It okay. kind of goes back to the whole, like, we grew up in the same family of like, don't show PDA or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's very natural to have that moment of, oh my God, my parents know I'm a sexual being. Oh yeah. Period. Because I remember Ivan and I, okay. And the same thing growing up, you have this idea, like you grow up, you get engaged and then you get married and then you live with the person. Mm -hmm. And I met Ivan. I moved to San Antonio, lived in my own apartment. And then at one point it really did just not make sense for us to have separate apartments. And I remember um, one time mom and dad came to town for something and I was working at coach and they had called me and they were like, Hey, you know, we needed, uh, let's go eat dinner or whatever. And I was like, okay. And I said, I have to go home and change and I'll, I'll meet you at my apartment. And Ivan was like, he was in the military at that time. And he had come home and like taken a nap or something. And I kept calling and calling and calling. And I was like, <laughs> get out of the apartment, like hide your stuff. My dad might come in and he might see you here. And I, that can't happen. Like, these are my parents. These are the rules. I'm a freaking adult, but these are the rules that I'm still living by because I chose to like, let those be the rules. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I couldn't get a hold of Ivan and then Ivan came out and I, I was mortified. I felt like I was caught. 
I felt like, oh my God, my dad is so ashamed of me. (laughs) My dad is going to disown me. You know, like Uh it, it was just the idea that A, my dad knows that I like a boy. Like mm-hmm. I like someone and then B, my dad knows that maybe there might be some yeah. handholding that occurs, you know, like I, I think that that's kind of just our upbringing. I've had that mortified experience myself. And even mm-hmm. for Ivan, when he, he says the hardest day, like, and we joke all the time because we always say, why Lori, right. The day we went to go, like after that situation, I felt like we needed to ask dad's permission to like officially live together. Mm-hmm. And so Ivan and I went and we drove and we sat with mom and dad, you know, right across from them. And Ivan was like, I love your daughter. I want to marry her. Aww. He plans to get married. Um, and we'd like to live together. I mean, he was freaking asking for permission to live together. Aww. And dad's response was, why, Lori? <laughs> <laughs> Both of our hearts, <laughs> both of our hearts broke. Like I felt like I had just disappointed my dad to no end. That is funny. And Ivan and I joke to this day whenever something happens, we're like, "Why, Lori?" Because it was so hard to hear. And he said, <laughs> "How far do you?" I, we said, "Well, you know, we we want to be closer to each other." He's like, "How far do you live? How long does it take? Like, do you need more money to have your own apartment?" Like. It was just so disappointing to him. This was my biggest question for you. I've told you how I come out over and over and over and over. Like, I honestly thought when I came out to you and I came out to mom and dad that I was done. I was like, I'm done. I've come out. Uh, It was like the world was supposed to know. (laughs) I don't, it's, I can't even explain it, but I'm like, that's it. I'm, you know, living my gay life now. And I didn't realize that I was going to have to come out to every single new person along the way throughout my life. With coworkers, when you get a new job, you inevitably have those conversations, you know, that get personal, like, are you married? I didn't think about the fact that it was going to come up again and again and again and again. Do you have that same experience where you're constantly going, I have a gay sister over and over and over and over? No, no, no. Like for me, if anything, um, the people that I choose to share anything personal with, and, and I think sharing stories about my family, like anything having to do with my family is personal. Like those are the people that I've already vetted as people who are either already advocates or just already open-minded or even if they're, you know, like I have a lot of friends that are very, very conservative. You know, I have Mm -hmm. a couple of friends that are very faith-based and they very much, um, you know, believe in following the word of the Bible. And we have some really great conversations because we have such differing views, but I choose to have that conversation with them because they're able to have a healthy discussion mm-hmm. and leave it as a discussion that gives us a chance to both grow in this discussion and learn from each other in this discussion. And it's not a fight, but that's also not like the first descriptor that I use to describe you, you know, like it's a part of who you are. It's a trait, like, just like you're a woman, mm-hmm. you are Hispanic like those are things that you can't change. It's just who you are. But like, that's not what I lead with. You know, I'm like, Oh, my sister lives in Austin. She loves dogs. In fact, Mm -hmm. she's crazy about her dog. She probably treats her dog better than some people treat children. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, those are things that like you, 
you live your life, you purposely do those things to live your life. And and I think of those as your characteristics. Mm. If anything, I'm always mindful of sharing or not sharing it because just like you said, I think you're still on this journey where you're getting comfortable with claiming it. And I don't feel like it's my story to share because you're still becoming comfortable with sharing the story in different Mm -hmm. spaces. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not that I feel that I have to come out to anyone about being a sister of a gay person. It's because it's, it's a non-issue for me. And, and I, I, I also think that people know me well enough that if, if they were to say something that I didn't agree with, like the teacher in me is going to take that moment to have a conversation. And I don't have to say, well, my sister's gay and here's, here's what you need to know. Like, I'm going to take that moment to ask those questions that make people uncomfortable because they have to think about their own personal feelings to have this conversation where we can be uncomfortable, but grow from it. And I think that's just my personality. You know, I, I, I think so too. being the younger one, being the one who grew up in this world where, or in a world that I created for myself, where um, I really don't understand people who are not tolerant of each other, of other people. I remember there was a time where someone said, you're either gay or you're straight. There's no in between. And I'm like, how can you think that? Everyone's experience and journey is their journey. And they may choose to embrace a specific label or not, but it's not my label to put on you. Mm-hmm. It's everyone's journey to figure out on their own. I, I lead my life with, if I come out to you, are we still going to be cool? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I hate living life like that, but that really is how I live it. And I, I think that's what is surprising to me. Not that you're still on the journey trying to embrace it, but I guess that, that. Well, to live unapologetically I, is I, really, I, that's really, I'm still trying to learn how to do that. Yeah. I think that's the part for me that I wish you could feel comfortable mm-hmm. living unapologetically. I wish that you could live your life where in the space that you've created for yourself, the people that you choose to tell your story to, their opinion of it doesn't doesn't make you second guess who you are. And I think that's hard because you are very much a caretaker and you always have been. And like, I don't know, like, I don't, it was, I think it was fostered in like many different situations, but you've always been a caretaker. I mean, even as a child, you wouldn't let me freaking walk around with ice in my mouth. Cause you would say mm-hmm. I'd trip and choke, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you're always worried about everyone else. I don't think you took the time to worry about yourself until later in your adult life. And I think you're just now embracing that. Maybe, maybe, but I also think it's a thing that Unless you know how it is where you can empathize with the situation, but you can't truly know what the situation is. So I think maybe it's a little difficult for anyone who isn't gay to think that some, that, that who they are could offend someone so much that they wouldn't want to know them again. Yeah. And that's a terrifying place to be. I wish you didn't have to be in that place. And I wish at some point that, you know, you feel okay with like 
other people who don't agree. Right. Them being okay and just being okay with it. Like, but I also think too, like I will say there's times where, again, I try to be very mindful of your journey and try to be mindful of like where you're at in it. And I think there's even times where, as you said, like you have this lens of there's the straight people and then there's me and I'm the only person that feels this way. And I think sometimes even in our conversations, I don't know if what I'm saying is being heard because your lens is very much a gay lens. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the conversations that I'm having with you again, like, yes, you're my sister. Your part of you is that you're gay, but like, you're so much more than that. And our relationship is so much more than that. So like, even when you and I talk, sometimes your perception is, oh, it's a straight person saying this, but Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing it from a straight person's lens. I'm seeing it from a, in this context, this is the situation. And I I think that's the hard part is, is you have to like figure out which lens to put on sometimes. And I think that's for everybody. That's for everybody. Like I'll be the first one, even when you, we went to go eat dinner or we went to go eat and we were with Bridget and Ivan ordered the, what is it? The little baby birds. Oh, (laughs) the quail. Quail. <laughs> and like it didn't even cross my mind. Like I didn't even think she uses birds and is like an advocate of animals. Well, let and- me let me stop and say I don't raise birds. My girlfriend has four <laughs> birds. So but- yeah, so Bridget, her her eyes popped wide open of like, oh my god, he's eating a bird right in front of me. Right. And the point of the story is I think that's a perfect example of sometimes things happen. Sometimes things are said and they're not intentional and they're not purposeful and they're not meant to send a message at all. Like that was no way in any way, shape or form, Ivan and I saying, Oh, we're going to eat your birds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like It was just that Ivan wanted to have the quill. He's a super foodie. Like that sounded interesting to him. And it wasn't until after, like you had said something and I was like, Oh, like that was kind of rude, but you're already in the moment and you're like, well, I mean, I also can't tell the man he can't eat quail just because she raises birds. Like, I'm going to be respectful of both of you. Like, sorry, he's eating a bird in front of you. And then I did have a conversation with Ivan on the way home. I'm like, hey, let's be a little more mindful when we're eating with Bridget not to order the bird because it's kind of offensive. Yeah. Learning moment for us, but it wasn't intentional. And, and I think it's like one of those things where we all have to learn a little bit of like considering that perhaps the other person does not have that lens on at that moment and giving them a chance to account for it or not. And, and I think that's where we're not always comfortable even to come back and be like, Hey, this is what you said. Did you intend it that way? Or did I perceive it that way? That in itself is, is something that I don't think most people are comfortable doing. No, Uh, but I think we need to do it more because otherwise there's like, so much opportunity for misunderstanding and it doesn't give us a chance to even learn from each other you know like Ivan and I learned hey be more respectful of Bridget's love of birds don't order quail (laughs) that's the whole reason I'm doing this podcast and this conversation having this conversation is for me to get the other perspective so that truthfully so that I can grow and maybe there's there's just like you said there's an opportunity for misunderstanding but there's also an opportunity for growth if we do kind of stop and listen 
like you were talking about earlier, having the patience to really listen. And you hit the nail on the head a second ago when you said sometimes people do something and they're not doing it out of like spite or whatever. They, you know, Ivan just wanted the quail. Not a big deal. He wasn't trying to tell a story other than, hey, quail sounds good. Right. And a lot of times for me as a gay person, if something happens, especially under that, that gay umbrella, I perceive it as straight privilege. That was an arrow straight at me. Yeah, it was a personal attack and I have my armor on and I will fight the fight. You know, that's, that's where I'm coming from. So I'm trying very, to be very mindful of stripping this armor, stripping this lens, having the conversation, taking the time to chat with you about things we've never talked about before. Not really, you know, like we may, maybe like dabbled here and there, but to get more of the story open up the closet, as I say, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully grow more. I think that's what I wanted to say. Let me think about that a little more. Cause I, I had something before I asked you, I, I ruined my, my own ending and I'll, I'll edit this out. There's nothing wrong with the natural from the heart ending. Yeah. But I had a really good thought. Um, what did we say just before all this? Don't order quail. Don't order quail. <laughs> So the takeaways are, no, but for for me, I think a takeaway from this experience has been to be more, and and not that honestly it wasn't this experience, experience. I think it's our conversations of late where Mm -hmm. I'm just more aware that you do have that lens on. And, And it's probably because you're working through this podcast. So you have to have that lens on, like that totally makes sense. That's, that is the lens of your podcast. Like I was completely oblivious to something that I should have been aware of. So I need to be mindful of that as well, because it is a lens that you see the world through. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lori, for chatting with me. I appreciate the time. Well, thank you for doing this for other people. And I know you're doing it for yourself, but I've told you this before, you're doing this for other people. You know, you're creating this space where someone else can learn and grow and maybe they feel you had mentioned earlier, you feel like you're the only person sometimes and hopefully this makes someone else feel like they're not the only person Mm -hmm. and everyone feel a little less alone. And I think this is going to be a really important piece of someone's life. And thank you for, for having me be your first guest. I feel very honored. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you have a question that you would like me to answer, you can email me the question or record a voice memo on your phone and email it to me at theycantallbebetty at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, y'all.